Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. So that Razer event out in L.A. earlier this week, obviously I didn't get to cover it live. And if there ever was a recent hardware event crying out for a hands-on so that you could get reporting, this was one of those. So I reached out to someone who was there, Quartz's Mike Murphy. And actually, his take was pretty different than some of the others that I read to you on Thursday. So come for that and stay for the reality check that Mike delivers about what will really make the 5G revolution meaningfully happen in our lives. So the the Razor event was in L.A. last night, right? It was, yeah. It was at this uh, place in the Arts District that kind of finished halfway between like a rave and some weird club that I probably wouldn't have gone to otherwise. That's funny that you say that because from the pictures I saw, I was like, are they in a garage or a, a <laughs> warehouse or something? It definitely was warehouse-esque, and there was a DJ that was far too loud for the number of people that were actually in attendance. Uh, all right, well then, look, all we really want to know is, I assume you got a hands-on uh let let me know your impressions so far i did i spent some time with it um the razor kind of looks like the original um when you close it and hold it sideways in front of you it looks identical but then it's considerably wider um and uh you know it doesn't one of the things that really bums me out is it doesn't have the um that kind of satisfying like clack when it closes like the original did. Oh, wait, it's, wait, wait, because I've ha- I've read conflicting things on that this morning. Some oh, people, really? some people have said that, yes, no, it's still got that satisfying sort of flourish where you clo- end a phone call by closing the phone, but just tactilely you're saying it, it wasn't quite as satisfying to do that. Yeah, it has, I don't, I don't remember, I guess because of the old one, it was metal on metal, so yeah. it was like a decent snap when it closed, but this, there's two magnets that hold it in place, so it feels like closing a laptop screen more than it does mm. the old Razer. Uh, it doesn't clack, I mean, it's still nice to like literally, you know, slam a phone closed if you're having an angry conversation, I can see that, you know, that'll be fun again, but it doesn't, it doesn't like snap like a, like a AirPods case or a Zippo lighter or something. But generally, how does it feel like flimsy? Uh, like that's the other thing I've been reading all day is that everyone seems to be at least going with Motorola's confidence that you know this is not this is not like those other foldable phones. This is durable. This is solid. Yeah, they're they're talking a very big game, and I, I asked um, their head of design uh, twice yesterday and the day before to his face that are you confident in this and all. Both times, all he said back is, we wouldn't have released it if we weren't. Um, but, you know, when I was playing around with it, I noticed that the way that the, the screen folds in, it before it kind of goes into the device, it actually pops out um, a little bit from the body. And you can put a finger under it. Like, you can you can completely pull the screen away from the, the rest it's, of the phone. Because it's plastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I, I just can't imagine the uh, editor who, who edited my story on this was like, I would not give this to my child. Um, and I, I, I asked Motorola straight up, like, are you going to put any warnings on the box like Samsung did when they, they uh, re-released the Fold? And they're like, nope. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if this is like a hubristic claim on, on their behalf or if they really think that that's – I mean, I didn't try and, like, yank it apart – I'm at their event. I don't want to destroy their phones, but right. But surely, it did all right, seem- when when you're opening, you surely must have 
open, open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. Like, does that feel smooth and like reliable? Like, it feels pretty, pretty reliable. Uh, I, I would say as reliable as the fold felt. You know, I, I, I reviewed it both times, and I, I didn't have one of the uh, the ones that broke, but. Um, the, the actual mechanism of the, of the folding screen seemed okay. It's just that like kind of in the same case with Samsung, it wasn't the display itself necessarily that was causing the issues, but things being able to get underneath it. And there's a massive gap. I mean, you can literally see through the gap in the display on the razor and I, something is going to get in there. I, I don't understand how that's not an issue, but they, they seem confident that it isn't. And what about, um, Everyone has been telling me all morning, uh, no visible crease. How, how does the, how does a plastic OLED screen kind of look when you're looking at it? Um, it looks like a, a cell phone, like a good cell phone from a few years ago, you know, kind of as good as the iPhone 10 R, you know, it, it's not top of the line, but it's, it's good. Um, but I did notice a crease. I, I played with a few different ones and if you hold it, you, you don't see it when you're holding it uh, directly at you, kind of like you do the fold. You definitely do. But uh, someone else had one in their hands kind of pointed away from me. And when the, the light hit it, I could definitely see the fold. Um, it wasn't as egregious as Samsung's, but, like, it's still there. At the end of the day, if you fold something thousands of times, eventually a crease is going to be left. Now, when you say that that you, there's a visible crease, is it is it that, well, sort of like paper would sort of – get an indentation if you fold it enough times or is it that like the actual electronics inside the screen maybe you can see some sort of noticeable oh there's where it folds over like what are we talking about yeah i'd say it's more like paper um so it's like it's like a bubble not a digital thing yeah yeah totally um how about putting it in your pocket because to me this is the thing aside from the fact that I just like the idea that somebody after a decade is trying to do something different than just a, a slab of glass. Mm-hmm. But also I do think that it solves like as much as they make everything thinner and lighter, we've still just been putting increasingly larger slabs of glass in our pockets. So like, I, I, I love the idea of getting some square footage back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> how, how does that feel in terms of pocketability and that sort of stuff? I think that that is absolutely the selling point with this. I mean, it it feels comfortable in your pocket. It's like having an iPhone. It's smaller than an iPhone three, I think, in terms of um, you know the, the real estate it takes up in your pocket. It really is quite nice. And what's quite amazing about it is when this phone is closed, it is as thick as the original razor. Yeah, so that's they, amazing. It really is a feat of engineering. Like they've, they've done an amazing job making this device thin. But part of the trade off there is that. It's it's got that huge chin on on the bottom like the original did, and kind of like it was the case back then. That's because a lot of the components live down there, allowing the rest of the device to be so thin. But yeah, I mean, I I could see it being a huge thing for for people that just don't want a giant thing in their pocket that looks extremely awkward and but still want a big screen with them. Um, and you know, Motorola made a big deal about the fact that it has a, uh, 21 by nine aspect ratio. And it's like, yeah, okay. So you can watch, you know, movies with this and it'll look pretty decent. And because it has that giant chin, you can hold it by the chin and not put your hand on the screen, which is actually quite nice. Well, and then my other thinking about this, like earlier in the year when I thought, oh, this is going to be the year of the foldable phones is as a status 
sort of symbol. Like I don't have the phone that all the rest of y'all have. <laughs> I have which which by the way, remember um originally before the Razer became the everybody phone, it was an expensive phone at the beginning and it was yeah. a status symbol. So I'm I'm wondering yeah. if like it, it the, is the sexiness to it still there you think? I think to a degree. I mean, I it'll be interesting to see if I get to review it. I mean, when I when I reviewed the Fold both times, it's the only phone other than an iPhone that people have been like, "What is that?" And I could definitely see that happening with this. Um, and I asked Motorola yesterday, actually. You know, is this the start of a of a bigger thing? And and will, the, will this become your kind of every phone in a few years? And they basically they were obviously a bit coy about it, but they were kind of hinting at this is the start of a larger push in this direction. So I, I could see this becoming a kind of, you know, standard for them in a few years as well. Yeah, actually, I just a quick impression from you of, you know, wither M- Motorola. <laughs> the, mm. the Motorola of today is not the Motorola of the Razor in 2005. Um, just uh, any sense that you got from, from that company and like, is there energy behind them and, and stuff like that? It seems that way. I mean, you know, they do have Lenovo behind them, which isn't a tiny company. And it seems like there's a bit of a revival. I wouldn't want to say it's, you know, it's their back or anything like that. But, you know, you look at some of the devices that Lenovo has been making recently. Between this, I really like their smart display. They're going to have that foldable uh, laptop out in 2020. Like, it does feel like they're one of the few companies that's actually trying a bunch of new, interesting stuff. And whether it sticks or not is obviously, you know, we'll, we'll find out. But they're actually trying stuff. Um, and it does feel kind of uh, energizing. Uh, $1,500 is not cheap, but it is the the cheap end of the foldable <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> um, and it's only on Verizon. I don't know. I'm just wondering, like... I just wonder if 1500 and exclusive to one carrier is almost one of those sort of, you know, palm pre things where it's a good idea and it might get traction, but they're sort of hand handicapping it out of the gate. I thought that, um, and I actually asked them that and then extremely embarrassed myself because apparently I, I read it wrong. It's, um, it's exclusive to Verizon only for a little while. They didn't mm. say how long, but this will be available on every carrier eventually, and it's it's not carrier locked. I actually spoke with Verizon as well, and they said, nope, it's not carrier locked. If you want to buy it, and put it on some other network. But of course, you know, they did the marketing spin. Why would you want to leave America's best network? And it's like, okay, well, I have ATT. What do you want me to do? Um, but so it will work on every network um, eventually. I think the, the tying with Verizon is, is just like a kind of joint marketing stunt for now. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's really expensive. Um, you know, that's that's five hundred dollars more than a, a, a very good iPhone. But um, you know, if it's the start of things to come, all you need is enough people, enough early adopters to do it, and then the price gets you know lower over time. And I could see it being the thing that takes off the revolution. But yeah, I could see it being like a palm pre and just being a flash in the pan that people remember fondly ten years later, but no one actually bought. Meal kit apps advertise on podcasts all the time. But did you know that Mealime is the most popular meal planning app in the world? Everybody eats. Some just do it better than others. Have you ever had trouble sticking to a diet or wandered the grocery store aimlessly with no real menu in mind? Mealime gets you organized with quick and easy meals matched up with your personal dietary preferences. Just pick recipes for the week. Mealime builds you a shopping list with all the ingredients. 
and then it helps you cook. And guess what? Mealtime integrates with Amazon Fresh and Instacart, so you don't even have to go to the grocery store at all. Let Mealtime order the ingredients for you. Mealtime will help you cook the ingredients, then you get to eat the ingredients that you wanted to eat in the first place. Mealtime is M E A L I M E. It's a completely free app available in the App Store and Google Play. Or check out mealtime.com to learn more. Your busy weeknights are about to get so much easier because Mealtime has made meal planning, grocery shopping, and cooking as easy as getting takeout. Mealtime, M E A L I M E. I am a total Quip convert. I use Quip to brush my teeth every single day, including this morning. Why? Better toothbrush? Well, actually, if you ask your dentist, they'll tell you it's not about the toothbrush, but how you use it. And that's why I love Quip. I'm finally, thanks to Quip, brushing like an actual adult. Quip's sensitive vibrations with a built-in timer guide gentle brushing for the dentist-recommended two minutes with 30-second pulses ensuring an even clean. Plus, Quip takes the headache out of managing oral health. Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. The sleek, intuitive design is simple to use and comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount. It is on my mirror as we speak. Simply put, Quip makes brushing something that you actually want to do twice a day. Quip starts at $25 and you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com/ride. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better like me, but you've got to go to getquip.com/ride to get your first refill free. Go right now to getquip.com/ride. Uh, I want to ask you about another product that you reviewed recently. I think you got definitely a more hands-on with this, obviously, because it's out. But um, the AirPods Pro, you weren't quite as rapturous about them as other folks have been. Um, so what's what's your high-level take on the AirPods Pro? Well, like, literally right now, I'm using my old AirPods. I had the new ones with me somewhere, but I, I think I need to return them. Um, I, and there are a couple things that I, I just didn't like about them. Um you know, and this has been a problem for all AirPods, but the new ones, they come with three uh, sizes of rubber tips to put in your ears. And basically, if one of those doesn't fit perfectly, they don't work. They don't work as intended. Um, you know, there's there's supposed to be noise canceling or noise reducing headphones, but sizes, they're not going to do their job. Um, and for the price, there are way better um over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones. Like, I have a pair of Bose QC35 twos from a couple of years ago that I would never trade away for, for these new AirPods. Um, you know, other than that, I don't feel like there's enough extra utility. And I, I personally really don't like the new design compared to the, uh, with the case and, and the actual uh, air, uh, you know, earbuds themselves. The, I don't know, the original case, it, it was it was easy with one hand to flick it open and close because it was longer than it is wide. Whereas the new one is the opposite. And it, it's just, I always feel like I need two hands to use it. Um, the earbuds are a little harder to get back in their, their little houses. Um, they, I don't know, a friend of mine was saying they kind of look like some, uh, company you tried to knock the AirPods off. You know, they, they look like someone took the original AirPods design and went, how can we not get sued for these? Um, so I don't know. I, I just, 
I, I have been really big on AirPods pretty much since the get-go. I've had them since they first came out. But um, I don't know. I think for the the additional value of oh, sometimes noise canceling, I don't really know if that's worth a hundred extra dollars. Well, and the thing that I didn't realize because I must not have read the reviews closely enough um, is that the the tapping interface is it completely gone or is it just? Oh yeah, yeah. That's another bizarre thing. That blows the, my the mind. Old ones. Yeah, the old ones had a very simple. Tap one, uh, tap twice to do something, and you can set whether that's change a song, talk to Siri, um, and you can call out Siri on the second generation uh, model as well, um, which I'm not going to do because I've got like five Apple devices in front of me. Um, but the new ones, you just have to you, you can only squeeze the the stem of of the earbuds, which bizarrely is also twice as short on the new ones. So it's actually kind of hard to do that, and you need to use two fingers to do it. It just kind of looks like you're taking your AirPod in and out every time you're doing it, and it's it's just super fiddly. But you the the Beats Solo Pro you liked, I did actually, and it's the same technology. Um, you know, everyone was saying how amazing this new transparency mode on the AirPods is. It has literally been in the the, the Beats line for a while now, and I was surprised. I, I personally have never wanted a pair of Beats. I've never owned a pair of Beats, so maybe I was going in expecting quite a quite little and it was better than that but they've they've redesigned the beats um you know they, they were pretty susceptible to breaking in the past um and they've redesigned the hinges so they don't snap as easily i thought the noise canceling especially considering they they sit on your ear rather than covering your whole ear uh was surprisingly good like i used them on a few flights and uh i found them actually pretty nice to use um finally this is something that i try not to do but Sometimes I can't help myself. Your piece on um, 5G um, and what it'll really mean once it starts to happen to us um, mm-hmm. connected with some recent news that really made me think of things differently. So I'm going to go on a bit of a soliloquy here. Um, the you know the, the news that Apple had that internal meeting recently um, about how their AR glasses are the next big thing and maybe will eventually. Uh, long-term be a replacement for the iPhone um, sort of made me scratch my head, but then I, I don't know. It makes sense. But then your piece about the, I remembered your piece about the 5g revolution and the point that you made that connected dots for me was that, okay, we're all anticipating 5g coming, but in reality, what does it mean? Oh, it means things will be faster, but fundamentally we're just going to be doing the same stuff on the same devices that we already have. It'll just be faster. So the point that was made in your piece is that the revolution in 5G won't just be everything will be faster. It'll actually be when latency goes away. Hmm. Um, somebody in your piece said that the that 5G will need an iconic device, and it'll probably be AR and VR because once you can do everything instantaneously in real time out in the world, then suddenly some form of AR headgear or glasses or whatever actually makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> tell me more about why all we're talking about right now is speed, but it's really when mm-hmm. the latency goes away that the real 5g revolution is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of smart people have, have told me and it, it makes sense to me. Um, the, 
the issue isn't necessarily that we can't get enough content on our existing devices fast enough today. That's no one is, I mean, yeah, okay, some places you've got spotty cell connection or something, but that's that's not going to be revolutionary. It will be, and this is going to be a much harder task, but it, it will be if 5G is able to reduce latency to less than uh, 10 milliseconds, um, because basically that below that threshold, uh, the human eye can't perceive uh, anything. Like, it looks like real time to the human eye. Um, and so if you can create a network where you can deliver information constantly and reliably to someone that to them it looks like it's happening in real time you're going to have a transformative uh experience and you know holding a device up in your hand is not going to be that yeah it'll be cool maybe google maps ar will work a little better but you're going to need something that's more intimate and more uh taking up your your entire field of view at all times and so some kind of headset or or something that's that's wearable seems to be the thing that would do that um but you know there's there's debate whether that would be ar vr but i feel like if it was vr you're only gonna be able to use it in certain situations um but well that's, i mean that's, by the way vr is something that we've been told is is the next big thing for a while now so maybe maybe again it's you, you Everything, something's the next big thing until there's that one key threshold crossed, and maybe 5G mm-hmm. is it. But, like I said, that connected the dots to me to that Apple thing, where if they're, like you're saying, smart people are telling you this, if Apple's seeing this, then yeah, that does make sense, that like, mm-hmm. in the same way that we couldn't, like, smartphones couldn't take off until 3G was around, so it was fast enough to be functional, to have mm-hmm. mobile internet on you at all times, um, what you just said, like where it's real time, where if I'm at a baseball game and I'm looking at the pitcher and there's an overlay that gives me his stats and the instantaneous, you know, or, or whatever, any number of scenarios like that to me was the first time that I'm like, Oh yeah, it is obvious that AR at least clearly would be the the next step. Yeah. But the problem is the network that you're going to need to build that is insane because you're moving from, cell towers every 500 yards or something to cell towers i think every 20 yards uh to build that structure to to maintain that latency and i don't know that's a huge infrastructure task and that's going to take time and money and people will probably get disillusioned before it actually becomes a reality so if there's a high chance it will never actually come to pass and it'll be solved in some other way like Mm. wi-fi everywhere or something Mm. but I don't know. It's a really interesting concept when you start thinking about getting beyond uh, these little rectangles that we keep in our pockets. And so when we hear right now about carriers rolling out their 5G network, all they're doing right now is getting getting the gear in place to get those higher speeds, but then that eliminating the latency phase could be years and years after that. Yeah, it's actually it's it's weird because 5G is is a set of standards rather than one standard. And so, yeah, half of it or a third, depending on how technical you want to get, is that faster speeds. And that can be done with existing infrastructure. It's just putting new radios on the towers and masts we already have. But to uh, create the low latency structure that is also part of the 5G uh, standard, that's going to require heavy capital investment and and just new infrastructure everywhere. And so that's a lot harder to do. So when ATT or Verizon says, we have 5G, all they mean is, 
we have the existing structure that you're used to, but now you're going to get, uh, you know, in the time it used to take you to download an episode on Netflix, now you can get a whole season. Uh, finally, finally, you're a Chelsea supporter, right? <laughs> I am. You guys are uh, quietly having uh, a better, like, everyone's talking about how, you know, um, Leicester is, is hanging in there, and of course everyone's, like, mm. focused on the fact that Liverpool hasn't lost, but you guys are quietly hanging in there way better than at least Arsenal is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the most exciting time to be a Chelsea fan in, in years. It's it's really really enjoyable to watch these these literal kids who are actually having fun out there. Like I can't remember the last time I felt like a Chelsea team was having fun. Well, right, because that was always the knock on Chelsea for the last twenty years is that they just buy stars and they and they they spend tons of money on their youth academy, but the kids never get to play. And then out of nowhere, like why yeah. isn't why isn't Tammy Abraham a bigger star? Like. Jesus, <laughs> I I think there's a, a few reasons for that, but it's, it's right, partially okay. because of the you know, the preconceived notions of Chelsea and Tammy Abraham will be one of England's strikers for the next 15 years if he stays healthy. He's uh, he's like nothing else I've seen. And I guess quietly, maybe uh, Lamps is a decent manager. Well, you know, what what people forget about uh, Frank Lampard, not only is he one of the greatest midfielders of all time, he is a member of Mensa, and <laughs> he's a literal genius. Um, so it's not surprising to me, but everyone else seems to forget that. Well, listen, if Arsenal's listening, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, bring back old players as coaches. There's Vieira's around somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Henri just signed for Montreal today. Right. I saw that. So I don't yeah. know. Um, you know, the, the, the annoying sliding doors, but I guess every team thinks this is if Wenger had just left a year or two earlier, we, we could have Klopp now, but, um, yeah, again, I, I think everybody thinks that. All right, Mike, thank you. (laughs) Thank you.